So we've seen one outbreak of another of animal-borne diseases, from foot and mouth disease to uh, avian influenza, etc. Uh, also, some of the uh, problems associated with contamination have been raised recently. Uh, chemicals getting into our food, that sort of thing. But in amongst all this is the question of how we treat animals and how that can affect the spread of these problems. Animal welfare, in other words, being placed. Somewhere between those lines, very prominently, Philip Wilson, head of the global animal welfare charity World Animal Protection, now joins us on the line from Massachusetts in the U.S. Thank you very much for being this morning's person. It's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me. And you visited this country back in August to take part in the thirty-third World Veterinary Congress under the title "One Health, New Wave." What does that mean exactly? Well, the uh, 33rd World Veterinary Congress brought together veterinar- veterinarians from around the world to discuss ways to improve international cooperation to tackle diseases that affect both animals and humans, such as the outbreaks you've mentioned, uh, uh, livestock diseases, including avian influenza and um, foot and mouth disease. And animal and human health are closely interlinked, hence the concept of one health. Um, the Congress also looked at new approaches and developments in veterinary medicine and sharing best practice, and therefore they called it new wave in that respect. Would you suggest that those people who argue we should focus more on human rights than animal rights are arguably missing the point that then, if they're so interlinked, uh, we're depriving humans of the right to healthy food or, or, or a, a livestock uh, process that's far more dependable? Uh, well, animal and human lives are really closely interlinked and um, over 1.3 billion people around the world are dependent on animals for their livelihoods. Um, for example, in our disaster management and relief work, um, you know, tackling droughts, floods and cyclones, um, we collaborate closely with humanitarian organizations such as the Red Cross uh, to ensure that both humans and animals are helped during the recovery process. So by helping animals, we're helping people at the same time. So they're very, very closely linked. Mm. And, and the idea of animal welfare has, I think, been catching on here in Korea. It's certainly something that I see more awareness of now than I did when I first arrived. But in the UK, where I can hear you're from originally, uh, and myself too, it's a discussion that's been had for a long time. Um, d- does it vary then considerably from country to country how far along they've come? And, and what can we maybe learn from some of the more advanced nations in this regard? Yeah, it has been a process uh, of evolution over many years um, in North America and Western Europe. Um, it's been seen as a social issue. Animal welfare has been seen as a social issue for over 100 years. Um, you know, obviously for many years the public's been concerned about the welfare of companion animals such as cats and dogs uh, and working animals such as donkeys uh, and oxen. Um, most recently, um, people are becoming more aware of the welfare of farm animals and how they are raised for human consumption. Um, and while the public still wants to consume animal products, uh, they want to ensure the animals have been treated humanely. Another area is um, the issue of the welfare of wild animals. And um, we've been raising this issue for, for some years now. But um, most recently, we have a, a new campaign uh, on uh, 
Amazon selfies. Uh, it's called the Amazon selfie campaign. Um, people who want to interact with wild animals and take their photos with them. Um, however, they may not be aware of the animal cruelty behind the scenes. Uh, and we're raising awareness of this issue and encouraging people to sign up to our wildlife selfie code where they avoid encounters where a wild animal is being held, hugged, or restrained, and only take selfies where a wild animal is in its natural home and free to roam and not be captive. It's interesting, the issue of animal welfare. There are problems arising all the time, and you know, different countries are at different points in tackling them. So it's a, it's a case of sharing information globally to ensure um, that countries have um, the most accurate information about the issue concerned. Well, wildlife here in Korea is also an issue that perhaps deserves more attention. Uh, this was once a land where you'd find tigers and, and other species which are, are perhaps much harder to find these days here. No tigers left at all. Um, but it's the farming side as well that perhaps we can gain real traction uh, given these human health impacts that have drawn so much attention. So if people want to go out and buy uh, animal welfare approved foods, is there a way to do that, to do mass farming in a way that y- y- you know allows costs to be lower without infringing animal rights? Uh, yes, um, our position is that it is possible to do this. Um, it's possible to raise animals in a more humane way uh, and in a cost-efficient way for the farmer um, because the meat quality is better uh, and there is less waste in terms of uh, poor quality or damaged meat uh, when good animal welfare practices are used. Um, and you know, Consumers are becoming more aware, aware of the issues and um, requesting um, the animal products to be raised more humanely. So asking their, you know, their um, supermarkets where they buy the food, you know, for these products, um, and, you know, seeking good welfare products such as cage-free eggs and, and meat from animals that can be raised in more in extensive farming systems. So it's, it's going to be consumer-driven, really. But in a country like Korea, I often hear the argument that there's not enough space to do this kind of farming. What would you say to people who put that argument forward? Yes, I mean, that is is a challenge. Um, And we work in a very pragmatic way. We work with farmers, we work with food businesses and look at their supply chains. And, you know, we're realistic. There are changes that can be made in um, industrial farming practices. You know, change the lives of animals, uh, providing a bit more space, uh, providing enrichment for the animals so that their lives are better, but that it uh, doesn't impact um, the practice too much, the, 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 the space required, but it can improve the lives of the farm animals concerned. Right. I mean, there are examples, um, you know, around the world of countries that are doing this now. C- can you just elaborate a little bit further on that? Um, for example, um, the Netherlands is a very good example Um where they've been implementing good animal management practices, um, allowing more space for farm animals and providing enrichment uh, so that they can carry out natural behaviours. Um, but the Netherlands, again, it's got limited space, so some of the um, systems are um, more intensive um, and may not be extensive over wide fields, uh, but they've been able to 
change the management practices so it improves the animals' lives. And in addition, they've been able to uh, greatly reduce um, the number of antibiotics used um, in uh, farm animal production systems, um, which is, is good from, um, obviously, the, the, the big global issue, issue of antibiotic resistance that exists. Well, I wanted to ask you about that as well. Um, is it fundamentally the case that all battery farming or all condensed farming, the, the, the kind of factory farming that we see images of and, and perhaps forces to recall in a certain level of disgust, but maybe we turn a blind eye to, does it have to be more unhealthy all the time? Well, I think the challenge is in these very intensive systems where the animals are crowded and in stressful conditions, they have been fed um, antibiotics in a sub-therapeutic way and um, preventative, you know, basically preventative use of antibiotics. Um, and they've actually also been used as growth promoters. Um, antibiotics uh, have been used for that purpose. This overuse of um, antibiotics is actually a serious health risk for people because when these drugs are overused in both animals and in humans, some bacteria become antibiotic resistant, therefore threatening the future effectiveness of these medicines. And um, antibiotic resistance really is one of the leading human health threats um, currently in the world today. Mm. Um, the, world, the World Health Organization, the, um, the Food and Agriculture Organization, and the World Organization for Animal Health uh, have actually formed an interagency uh, tripartite group to tackle this issue, to look at antibiotic resistance and see, look at ways it can be um, reduced, basically. So it's a big it's just global problem. So irresponsible, all in the name of making money, as is often the case, it seems, anyway, Mr. Wilson. Uh, finally, what's your advice to, to people um, now going forward? You, you said that we should perhaps go out and ask supermarkets where food is sourced, but do we need to urge a global standard so that we can look at a badge anywhere in the world uh, or, or a stamp and, and know that that means this particular animal has been able to roam relatively freely, has not been pumped full of growth-promoting antibiotics? Um, well, there are various um, national uh, and some regional standards. Um, nothing quite global as present, but uh, the World Organization for Animal Health has good animal welfare standards, and 181 countries are members of the uh, World Organization for Animal Health, the OIE. And, you know, it, it's a growing issue, um, and our position is that um, animals have a right to be treated humanely and protected from harm um, because animals are sentient, just like humans. They have the capacity to think and express emotions, uh, and so they should have a good life. And yep. uh, this is expressed in the five freedoms, uh, which reflect good animal welfare. Um, so this is what we advocate. And uh, we've been working at the United Nations um, to hopefully introduce a universal declaration on animal welfare at the UN, which recognizes animals as sentient creatures and aims to ensure that all animals are treated humanely. And um, over 40 countries have uh, provided their support on this initiative so far. So it's, um, it's a growing interest. Well, good luck, Mr. Wilson, because... I also know as someone who um, has been touched many times by images of cruelty, it's easy to turn a blind eye and tuck into fried chicken without 
worrying too much about where it comes from uh, and seems like uh, many of us are capable of both of caring and closing our eyes at the same time. Uh, Philip Wilson, head of the global animal welfare charity World Animal Protection. Thank you for being this morning's person. Thank you so much. Have a great day.